Hello and welcome to Dynasty As They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is a very special co-host. We don't. I'm in New York and Kyler is not with me, so I'm enlisting the services of friend, television personality, marketing executive, Omar Barragon. Wait, do I even know how to say your last name? That was a fair effort, for okay. sure. Barragon. All right. Omar Barragon. There you go. Good. <laughs> Hi, Omar. Welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be. Thank you. And for having me in your home where we're recording tonight's episode. We had a lovely dinner, and now we're just drinking champagne, and we're going to talk about Dynasty. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you for popping my Dynasty cherry. Yeah. So tell me what your familiarity was with Dynasty. I know you didn't watch, but what did you kind of know about it or what did you think about it before you watched tonight's episode? So what's interesting is that I think about Dallas when I think about Dynasty. It and happens. frankly, I they are almost synonymous, even though I really don't know their backstory until now. And now I'm no I'm a lot more well versed in Dynasty of the Two. And I just remember Joan Collins, but I didn't know who she belonged to. I didn't know if she was Dallas or if she was Dynasty. I really didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, they, uh, and I think about the shoulder pads, obviously. Yeah. Um, basically, what happened was Dallas came first. And then Dynasty, especially in the first season, it was kind of being like a clone of Dallas. Or that's what they were sort of trying to go for. Basically, mm-hmm. ABC saw that Dallas was so popular and they were like, hey, Aaron Spelling, we want this, make this for us. And it kind of started out in that direction. And then now by season two, we're going in a totally different direction. So it's not really that much about oil. There's a little bit of business stuff. You saw a little bit of that with the gangster and the football team, but it's yeah gone in a different direction. And what we're seeing now is it's becoming more fabulous with, with Alexis Carrington She's bringing the fashion, you know, they just went to Rome. So it's it's much more glamorous, I think, than Dallas. Okay. It's funny, too, to think that it takes place in Denver because I have my own thoughts on Denver and it doesn't scream glam. <laughs> <laughs> we'll share your thoughts on Denver. <laughs> Tell the listeners a little bit about you so they can know who's going to be going on the, the journey of this episode with us sure so thank you for the kind introduction one (laughs) two uh yeah i've been living in new york for three years now and uh, moved here from chicago with my partner yes well and also we've known each other an insanely long time yeah historically derek and i do go back uh we did the international radio and television society fellowship program mm, in 2003 yes. it sounds so chic when you say it all together otherwise known radio as and IRGS. Society. yeah yeah we were just college students starting out in media and living together laughing together loving together well some of us were loving eating together because we were a given lot a of nice eating. stipend yes we would you know use it blow it on great restaurants so we would all go out to eat together mm-hmm. although you were always doing something you were always up to something because you had the end for so many reasons like you know you just 
already you were like owning New York City at such a young age. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I knew that I was going to live here, so I was one of those weirdos where I came and I didn't use my return ticket home. I just like really, <clears throat> yeah. I just packed oh, all my you had shit. Every intention of just staying here. Yeah. So I was spending time like finding an apartment and like getting a job because I wasn't going to go home, honey. No, I was staying in New York. And you don't remember going up. What was it, Harlem or Queens, to see an apartment with me? You don't remember that for as much as I remind you of this situation, this day that I'm will not be forget forever embedded in my mind. Only because, like I said to you earlier, I cannot envision myself living in New York City with I embellished thirty people, and that was that would have been the situation had we all gone into an apartment together back in the day. Yeah, I don't remember that. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just saying I don't remember it. Yeah, it's okay. Maybe something traumatic happened, and I blocked the. That was a good. How many years ago? (laughs) Yeah, it also was (laughs) seventeen years ago. We look really good for uh, pushing twenty-eight. Well, you look really great, and we should talk about your Instagram because um, you're sweet. Thank you. You're, you know, bringing the body yaddy yaddy, the exoticness. You love to travel. Mm -hmm. Why is life today about like Instagram? Isn't that interesting? It's, uh, but it's, I I do like that it uh, helps us stay abreast of people in their lives through a visual gallery. I like that. Yeah. No, it's a nice way to keep up with friends and what's going on. It is. And it is a nice, I like your way of putting it, that it's a nice visual representation of what's going on in people's lives. But the problem I have with it now is that it creates like unrealistic expectations because Mm -hmm. people look at it and they automatically feel, you know, the wanting and the desire to be wherever their friends or whoever they're following to be. But he, and the thing is, is like, you know, I get to travel a lot with my job and I'm very fortunate, but like I tell people like, I'm not posting pictures of me sitting at home, binging Netflix for six hours, eating a whole gallon of ice cream. Cause that's not going to make for a very pretty picture. So don't think my life is all Galapagos cruises. And that's what the story is for. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't do that on stories either. So, you know, it's we're all self-censoring ourselves. We are. We are truly are. And, you know, I guess when you think about the to Instagram life in the context of Dynasty, uh, can you imagine if they had phones back then and they were integrating what we do on social media back yeah. then? That's just kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. Well, even just being in here in, in New York right now, you know, I come back at least once a year, sometimes more. But this trip in particular, I've noticed how much Instagram has mm. taken over Manhattan. Like, for example, we went to brunch today at this delightful little place, Little Owl. Yep. And I arrived a few minutes late and uh, I noticed outside. Before I, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I noticed a lot of people like outside and I thought they were like waiting because this brunch place was so exclusive and hot or whatever. And then as we were sitting there, and then you eventually brought it up, this place exists in the Friends apartment building. And so everybody was just coming out to like take pictures outside of the Friends building. And I'm like, when I lived in New York like 10 years ago, like nobody was going to the fucking Friends building. Like, so weird. Right. Well, yeah, social media has allowed us to feel a little more connected to what we see on TV or through social media. So that's the craze. You know, everything is now an iconic thing. 
because we've seen it so produced in so many different mediums, television, social media, Instagram. Uh, what else? Whenever we see something that people just fawn over. Have you been to Hudson Yards yet to see what people are calling the vessel, the shawarma? I've, yes, I went over there the last time I was so here. So that's like the thing to do, you know, to get that yeah, picture. the steps um, to nowhere. Oh, is that what they all, I like that one. That's, steps well, to that's nowhere. What I've, I think other people have called it that, so I don't know if I can take exclusive credit, but. Well, that's new to me. I do like the shawarma. I like the beehive <laughs> or the hive, uh, honeycomb, whatever. It's art. It's supposed to be interpreted. You know, why not? Yeah, I don't, I don't get the point of it. But well, let's think of it. It's, a, it's an over $200 million, what do you want to call it, um, art piece, interactive in, art piece. Installation. And so I think that it makes you think. Yeah. You're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a piece of art and you're actually getting to go inside of it. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I can't really judge, you know, these, these friends, devotees going and taking pictures. Because the next time I'm in Denver, you know my ass is going to be going to all the places depicted on the show, although most of them are actually in California. So anyway, should we take a break and then get into this week's episode, The Car Explosion? Is that what it's titled? Yeah. Oh, that's messed up. You're right. They always do kind of just give it away. But it's not everything. That that lo- episode was loaded with content. And uh, yeah, let's get back into it after the break. Welcome back. So you don't know because you don't follow along with Dynasty, but we have really been following this abortion storyline for several episodes, and it all really came to a head last week, and now it's continuing with Fallon agreeing to have the baby, and and she's not going to have an abortion. What are you doing? I'm leaving Camelot. Jeff. Fallon, I don't want to talk right now. Well, I have something I want to tell you. About how you suffered during the abortion? About the pain you're in right now? No, I... Just shut up. I don't want to hear another word out of that mouth. You understand? You murdered my child. Isn't that enough? What? You really do hate me. Hate you? No. The person I really hate is myself. I feel like he could, she could have explained the situation to him, but he's just like won't shut up, and starts packing his you know briefs and his uh, socks and gets out of there before he can learn that she's actually going to keep the baby. Well, we'd have no episode if it wasn't for her just not disclosing that too early. Yeah. You know, well, and, and ultimately, it doesn't. I mean, he does seem happier, and Blake is certainly over the moon. I mean, ordering all those balloons and that giant panda bear or whatever, when, like, it, she's not even, like, in the first trimester is, like, so ridiculous. It is. And you know what's funny? When that moment occurred, I literally thought, if this was modern day, that same moment... Fallon would be Instagramming, live streaming the arrival of the balloons. (laughs) Do you realize that? Yeah. No, she would. That's funny to think about. Anyway. Yeah, there was a... Jeff is um, a handsome guy. Yes. John James is a handsome guy. He's a handsome guy. I don't think I'd ever know who he was. I... 
I can't get into him because he's so whiny every episode. Yeah, he's like missing some cojones. Yeah, he just won't won't take a stand. And now that he is taking a stand, he's doing it in a way that's like kind of even that's whiny. And I don't know. I'm Kyler is definitely over Jeff. He I think he can be redeemed if he stands up for himself. The problem I think with Jeff is that he's not strategic in any way where a lot of these other characters are. Blake is certainly very strategic. Alexis is the the most art of war character on the show. And Jeff doesn't really, he's not really capable of like dealing with that. Frankly, Fallon outsmarts him at every turn and her emotions guide everything that she does. And Jeff just kind of goes along with it. And until now now he wants a divorce and even though after he learns the baby i guess he still wants to go ahead with the divorce but then you know blake convinces them out of it yeah he says no you're gonna stay married do it for me he says well what did you think of this whole abortion storyline because it's not something that we see depicted a lot in in media and at the time it was pretty revolutionary anachronistic I would say, mm-hmm. to address abortion. Uh, when did this air again originally? This was 82. 82. So I would have been two years old, um, which is interesting to think about. I think it was well played. Uh, they had to be careful with how they presented the topic. I think that it, the way that they approached it was adequate for the time. You know, now you would see something a lot more drastic. You, you would probably see, a, you have, we have seen full abortions you know, played out in a storyline on TV today. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to push the envelope somewhere and you have to start somewhere. And this was probably the beginning of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I just still can't wrap my head around why she ended up not going through with the abortion. I guess today she probably would. Yeah. I, I think probably she would have today. Maybe it'll become clearer later on, but I just, we didn't see the moment in last week's episode when she decided not to. We just saw the aftermath when her father came and found her at the abortion clinic. Oh, like a Planned Parenthood? Well, it was called the Blandon Clinic and they have an abortion desk. That's what they called it. The abortion desk. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> The abortion desk. I want to talk about like all the different affairs that are happening. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. You what, know, like, what did you think was uh, the so, juiciest? Well, for me, it was interesting to see how Fallon has this admiration for Nick, who's the psychiatrist for the family. And so a lot of people come to this guy. As he's basically like the confessional um, for many people, I think. So it, from what I understand... Two people are having sex with him. Well, he's technically only had sex with Fallon, but he's made out with Crystal. Okay. Who is her but they stepmother. Have, but they're the ones that are, they have a connection, Crystal yes. and Nick. They have made out and uh, Nick makes it very clear that he's into Crystal. But we do get another flashback to his brother who committed suicide. Oh, is that, that who he, that was? I was going to say, who was that person hanging? Yeah. So it's his brother and he blames Blake for the gotcha. death, but that's kind of all we know. So we're not really sure how Blake was responsible and we're not actually sure what his plot for revenge is. He's really just ingratiated himself in the Carrington family. Did he say something to the effect of like, I'm Italian and we, 
Yes. A make amends with whoever did us he wrong. He talks that, about he kind being of Italian like a lot. Oh, yes. Yes, this is interesting. Yeah. He's very proud of his heritage. Let's just yeah, put it like mafioso that. mafioso kind of Sicilian. Well, he's actually not mafioso. I thought that too when he first came on the episode, but now we have these other mobsters that are involved in the football team which I'm really excited about because I've been calling for more plots to involve the football team. And now we're like really getting into it. Selfishly, obviously, because you like the the scene. The locker room scene? The locker scene. room scene. I mean, it was kind of titillating. I didn't expect all of that, you know, wet skin to be exposed on Dynasty. Can I just talk about how hilarious I thought the gym scene was where the guys like, obviously on a, it would be called a, uh, a lap pull down machine and he's standing and just doing all sorts of wrong things on that machine. Like, <laughs> yeah, the whole workout <laughs> it was like, a funny scene. Well, you're a little gym bunny, so you would probably know better than me, but I did notice throughout that sequence that it looked like the worst workouts ever. Everything everybody was doing was like dangerous. And I was like sitting on the edge of your couch. Cause I thought somebody's going to pull a muscle or there's going to be some sort of bone snapping situation like and they were just going for it and grunting mm, mm, ah. and one part yeah. that i thought was particularly interesting was where the what do they call them they're like the on-site nurses that give on-site massages oh like sports therapist the sports therapist was like giving this one athlete a a nice rub down like inner thigh massage and i'm like wow that's pretty intense i mean it took me aback yeah no i didn't see that scene coming at all because they're really i mean there really hasn't been much with every now and again we've seen a football player and they mention it but we've never actually gone into the stadium so to go behind the scenes like that was really interesting but basically what was going on is blake got himself when he needed some money into this deal with these mobsters so they own 49 percent of the team Oh. Now he's gotten the money back thanks to Alexis because she released all these oil tankers in the Mideast after fucking this guy who was connected to the king there. Wow, I can't believe I'm explaining wow. this so succinctly. But anyway, work. the mobsters want more control of the team and Blake just wants to buy them out. So that's what this like tussling between what the quarterback should be doing and I want to fire the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. So... Blake is trying to get them out and is asserting his power. And technically he does own more of the company, but that weird sneaky snake mobster just uh, won't stop. I will say that if I had to choose a men's suit that I thought was the best looking one, I would, I would put it on that mobster. Well, was, we don't talk wearing... about fashion until the end of the episode. Fine, fine. So please have, hold all I will, comments I will about... Hold. I have so many comments on, on, on fashion, but can I, okay. can, can I address one thing that I thought was really fun? Yes. I loved how when um, Nick was sitting at the restaurant, he took a call from Blake, and they literally brought this like... The phone. Old school phone to yeah. his table, and it was not a cell phone. It was a legit... What do you call that? A rotary dial phone? Um, I didn't see the face of it. I think it did it have one push those, buttons. Like, I don't think it, it was did, rotary. It wasn't rotary? Oh, yeah. I guess I want to think that it was rotary. But um, that was fun. Because it immediately made me think about Chicago and how back in the day, obviously maybe around the same time, the public hotel was uh, a place where uh, the who's who and celebrities would convene and frequently use the phones on their tables to actually call each other. 
uh, which was also very unique for the time. Yeah, that was like a thing back then where there would be like exchange bars where singles would go and you could see the number at the table and yeah. call. I wish they still had stuff like that. I mean, I that guess... That would be so much fun. We should bring it back. Like, it should be yeah, like a fun Yeah, but everybody game. has that in their pocket now, right? Like, no, but it's... Uh, some people want an organic experience, I'm sure. Like, why not? Okay. I think that'd be amazing to actually right. pursue. Well, we'll put that... Create in the... a business proposal and, you know, present okay. it to me after we're done recording. And then we'll talk about it on the podcast it's interesting because now the phone seems like such a crutch in (laughs) movies and tv because people just look at their phone and if characters need to know information you can pass it around so it's kind of interesting because this isn't the first time we've seen a phone be delivered to somebody and then plugged in so they could take a call so it's kind of interesting that even in the early 80s like the phone was being used as kind of like a crutch or a device for characters to be able to communicate with each other, even if they're sitting outside, like people have taken phone calls outside or next to fireplaces or now at the middle of the St. Dennis Club. Can we at least talk about Heather Locklear's body? Yeah, you were kind of gasping when she came on screen in Daisy Dukes. I I cannot believe it. Um, And thank you for sharing this background on um, Aaron Spelling. Did he produce this show then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This I, is I had no idea. Show. And so when I think about Melrose Place and that Aaron Spelling produced that, and I think and now that I have the context of like Heather Locklear doing Dynasty, yeah, second season in, their relationship really ran the span of several years. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, wow. I know she's troubled um, and in, in some capacity, so I just wish her well. Oh, the real Heather Locklear. I thought you meant Sammy Joe. Correct, no. Well, Sammy Joe is a little troubled too, but I think what's interesting in this episode is we're getting more insight into her motives. So she and Steven got this shotgun wedding last week, and I presented a theory of why I think Steven married her. And now that I'm seeing more of her side, I really think that she married him for money. It's kind of been mentioned, and it seems frankly, very obvious because she's the only poor person on the show, but she always seems so genuine and nice. So I wasn't completely sold that that was the reason, but my God, when he shot down her idea of a French honeymoon in this like hotel that she was looking at in Harper's Bazaar or whatever the fuck magazine she was reading, Mm -hmm. the look in Heather Locklear's eyes really sold that she was pissed that she wasn't going to be able to live this lavish lifestyle that she's sort of become accustomed to the past few weeks staying at the Carrington mansion. Okay. You're talking about, are you talking about an episode today Mm -hmm. where she came up where, where Steven, is that his name? Yeah. Told her that he was not really going to be the recipient of much of the wealth. Yes. This is the moment you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I don't remember the, the, the looking through the magazine and seeing the, the, the trip. Yeah. Who was doing that? Was he doing that? She was doing that. Oh, why did I miss that part? I don't know. You were probably busy on Instagram. No, I was probably eating your cannoli. (laughs) (laughs) I brought cannolis. That's not a euphemism. (laughs) Kyler, if you're listening, that did not happen. I brought cannolis. We were eating them. Travis also ate your cannoli. (laughs) (laughs) It was very good. I've never had. I I love it when I get compliments from my on my cannolis. Yeah, good work. Okay, so that was enough on on Hair the Locklear's body. Yeah, her eyes were really like quite open. There she she was like in shock when she basically realized that she may not be uh, susceptible to any of that dynasty's cash. Look. 
Me being a rich man's son doesn't make me rich. It's not like I had a grandparent who, who left me a huge trust fund. I'm broke, Sammy Joe. You could have told me this. Why? Does it make a difference? Does it? We actually learned a lot of background, I think, about the Carringtons that we didn't necessarily know before. So Stephen explains he's poor, he doesn't have any, or he's broke. He doesn't have any money because his, um, he didn't have any rich grandparents, which earlier on in the episode, Blake explained that um, his parents didn't have any money. He's right. a self-made man. And, uh, you know, he talked about this when he presented the christening gown to Fallon for her unborn child to wear. And it's the same one that he wore and that Stephen and Fallon wore. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And then I guess his mother passed away when he was four and he thought kind of fondly of her. So this was kind of nice little insight into their background. Dynasty so far doesn't really stop and look back like that too much. So it's kind of nice to have those moments. Uh, how about where Jeff says to Fallon, I'm leaving Camelot. <laughs> I loved it. That was great. <laughs> that was just so, so freaking good. Uh, obviously, you think about the Kennedys immediately. As much of a little bitch as Jeff is, he does have some funny quips here and there. I just still think he doesn't have a backbone. You got to appreciate a guy that's like willing to walk away from all that cash. You know what I'm saying? Because... Well, he comes from money, so he doesn't... He's not hurting for money Perfect. either. His family... He's we didn't not really... like the Heather Locklear character. What was her name? Susie Q? <laughs> Sammy Joe. Sammy Joe. <laughs> Close. Cheers. Cheers. This, see, this is what happens when I start champagne. drinking champagne. I actually start uh, mumbling. <laughs> uh, not that I wasn't already. But yeah, so Sammy Joe. Sammy Joe's after the cash. Jeff is not after the cash. He's willing to say, hey, go after yourself. I'm leaving Camelot. I don't need to be a part of this shit. Um, sounds oddly familiar to what a lot of Trump's daughters-in-law have done in recent history. Yeah. Actually. Uh, how about the line where... Fallon says to Crystal that she's really good at musical bedrooms. <laughs> Hello, Crystal. You're looking well today. Am I? Yeah, playing musical bedrooms seems to suit you. I'm not in the mood for any of your flip observations this morning, Fallon. Just making small talk. What else is there to do in this house these days? It was really interesting to see Alexis kind of reach out to Fallon. She's been trying to build some sort of relationship. Fallon doesn't really want anything to do with Alexis. But Alexis does have this information that Fallon boinked a guy. It was Dr. Toscani. Alexis doesn't know that. But she knows that she was kind of whoring around. And Alexis has made no bones about the fact that she's had some slutty phases herself. So it was... It was kind of nice of her to, to uh, extend that olive branch. Who extended the olive branch to who? Alexis extended a branch to uh, to Fallon a little bit. but Oh, yeah. She thing. wants her to call her mother. She doesn't usually call her mother. Mm-hmm. So, I see, I don't know enough backstory to know if they even have any kind of rift. So, I don't yeah. know where their rift, if it all comes from. Well, Alexis was gone for 16 years. She's an artist. Life. She was off doing her thing, right? Yeah, and there's this whole thing about how Blake paid her to go away because he, like, made her one of her lovers disabled through a violent attack. Alexis would never do that. 
Go away for 16 years? <laughs> no, do something. Oh. <laughs> Go file an attack. I think she probably would. Which is funny because I want to talk about the symbolism behind the, the her red outfit throughout the entire Again, episode. Again, save all know, fashion we'll comments for the end. Um, Another really funny thing is Joseph the bitchy butler. That's what we call him. Oh, yeah, Joseph. Um, telling Fallon who had some ice cream pregnancy cravings, which... Do you get cravings like literally the day after you agree not to have an abortion? I think she just really wanted some ice cream. She probably, I don't know. I don't think you, I, I don't know. We will never be pregnant. So we can't say whether or not we can have cravings after moments of learning your. That's true. You know, like and if I, I did say, get pregnant, I would go through with the abortion right away. If I have cravings now and I will know I will never be pregnant. <laughs> I can only imagine as a pregnant man, woman or man. <laughs> well, yeah. I just loved that uh, Joseph said that her mother had more exotic tastes and she was craving asparagus vinaigrette, which I don't even know what that is. Salad dressing oh, geez. and lobster pate, which doesn't even sound like a kind of pate you could actually have. But well, yeah, they it's are all about exotic. what we've been exposed to. You know, it's like we just wanted that lobster pate. What would I want? What would you want? I'd probably be one of those like basic pregnant women who was like craving pickles. <laughs> and luckily they make a lot of pickled flavors, oh, yeah. flavored stuff now. Yeah, Maybe that's because of pregnant so women. So you just want the pickle? You don't necessarily care how it comes? Um, Like, are you partial to like, you know, there's like a sweet pickle, which I think is disgusting. Oh, and like there's like a vinegar flavor. No, just like if you're going to eat a pickle, is it just about like eating the pickle or do you want a particular... Like I cannot stand the sour, the the typical the pickle sh- the relish that they use for hot dogs. Like it's disgusting. Oh, to me. I don't mind that. Oh, so then you'll take a pickle no matter how it comes. Yeah, I guess I will. That's amazing. <laughs> any pickle, <laughs> any way, just put it in my mouth. Amazing, amazing. Um, you love cannolis. I love pickles. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I, it needs to be a particular type of pickle. Like it needs to be the one that's actually sour. Yeah, um, I need, that's what I, I need. I like. A sour pickle. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna eat like spoonfuls of sweet relish. That's not what I'm talking <laughs> about here. But you'd be okay with it. See, I won't even touch it. It's just not my jam. I have to give a major kudos in this episode to, to the editors. So the sequence where Stephen and Sammy Joe are revealing to their mothers or mother figures. Alexis and Crystal was so dynamic and great. You have Stephen telling Alexis that they got married and Alexis is against it. And then you have Sammy Joe telling Crystal and she's also kind of against it, but in a nicer Crystal way. And I just love that juxtaposition where they went back and forth, where they were talking about it. And then we get a really juicy, hot, fiery scene where Alexis goes in and confronts Crystal and basically tells her that her niece is a little tramp and she's going to do everything in her power to stop them from being married. And then she moves on to the issue of her and Blake and says, well, maybe Blake wants me and not you anymore, which drives Crystal to waterworks. You're obviously far too upset by that picture to be able to think realistically about anything, including the problem of Stephen's mistake. I'm thinking about you and my husband. Yes. I would, too, if I were you. Think what you like, Crystal. About Blake and me in Italy together for those few days. 
and think that maybe, just maybe, we're two people who are really meant for each other. I kind of look at Crystal as like, poor girl, she's so victimized. Like, if I had to say, like, who's the saddest of them all, I would probably put it on Crystal. She's the one I feel the most sorry for. She kind of reminds me of, uh, what's her name, Glenn Close and... Uh, the Wife? No, the one, the, the movie, the, big, the biggest one with the, the Nichol, Michael Douglas. Ugh. Fatal Attraction? Fatal Attraction. There's something about Crystal that reminds me of Glenn Close in that film. Hmm, interesting. I would have never drawn that parallel. If anything, I think Alexis is more like that character because she's willing to go to any means necessary. Who was your favorite character? Who did you kind of respond to the most? I got to give it to Fallon. Mm -hmm. Um, That exchange that she had with Crystal was kind of cunning, and I liked it. Uh, I think she's smart, smarter than you imagine her to be at such a young age i think that's generally what we hear you know people think oh alexis is the best but she's she can be pretty nasty whereas fallon especially like you said for being so young is definitely really savvy and she's also a like a second wave feminist that's what kyler calls it because she's doing things that you wouldn't expect a young woman to do especially of means like this mm-hmm. like saying the things that she says and the way she acts she really takes like ownership and feels like she has agency over her her life and her body and like i said i still don't understand why she didn't go through with the old abortion another big revelation that we had was jeff revealing to claudia blaisdell that steven got married to sammy joe now this doesn't mean anything to you because claudia was barely in the episode but she had this really passionate intense relationship with steven That was kind of the whole centerpiece of the second half of the first season. And Kyler has been telling me like, oh, Claudia has moved on. She's not into Steven anymore. And I've been kind of maintaining this idea that she does still kind of pine for him. But she sort of put that aside because she needed to get like her mental health back in order and get a job and kind of deal with her family leaving her. And um, her family left her for South America, BTW. And so in this moment, I'm kind of like realizing that Kyler was right. I think she really has moved on. It seemed like she kind of absorbed the information and was like, okay, good for him. I'm happy for him. He got married to some trampy niece. All right. If If you say so, I think that you're right that she... She definitely felt some type of way, and it was obvious <laughs> to me that she didn't take very well to that news. Oh, you don't think she took it very well? No, I think she, she, all she could do was not show face in that scene. She was basically putting on a facade, hiding, and like basically just, yeah, she was hiding behind her true feelings. Okay. She put on a strong front. Maybe. I mean, maybe. But she I was think definitely she, visibly shocked, in my was, opinion. Oh, yes. She was shooketh. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was interesting. I, I, she looked like a little office admin. I mean, I found I've, I had never seen her before, and I found her for the first time looking for a file or a filing cabinet. Yeah. Filing. Well, that's a new look for her. She was this kind of like sex goddess in the first season. Really? Yeah, she was like very sort of ethereal. She worked at a bookstore and yeah, she's just kind of doing her own thing and 
operates on a different wavelength than the rest of the characters in the show. You don't really, you don't really get to see that in this. And especially now that they've kind of put her in this office worker situation. Although I think just by based on some stuff that she's done in recent episodes, I think she's going to be making moves and she's going to be as strategic as some of the other characters from her. She's a survivor. She is. She totally is. Yeah. And then, you know, we get, a really interesting kind of exterior shot of, I don't know if it's supposed to be the Denver Carrington offices or a refinery or what, but when we go out where the explosion happens, it's a totally different place that we've never sort of seen before. I'm sure that's because this is the safest place to blow a car up in Pasadena or wherever the hell they recorded it. But man, I just, I couldn't believe that that car like had a stick of dynamite that they threw into the other car pretty potent yeah not very pretty bad timing of the guy that threw it right because if he really intended to make any damage he would have waited till they were in the car before he turned on the car drove down the street Mm -hmm. through the explosive device and yeah um, (laughs) a a little too hot there on the throw a little (laughs) too hot for sure he should have waited and also to jeff's credit man he just fucking dove on top of blake carrington and he was gonna take that bullet Or in this case, a stick of dynamite. But I just think there should be a more discreet way for this to happen. But it's a soap, so you want the drama. Oh, you mean like if you're going to do anything to anyone, you wouldn't want to go about the way that they did it? Yeah. Or maybe he didn't actually want him to die. They just wanted to scare the shit out of him. No, like you're right. Nowadays, you would think that. You know, if the same thing were to happen, everything would be under surveillance. That's true. Easily traceable. 1982, probably not as much surveillance. You can get away with a lot more probably back then. Not probably, definitely. Yeah. And now we have a blind Blake. He's going to be at a disadvantage right. that's now. where the episode ends, where uh, he can't see. Yeah. So I'm going to be interested to, to see. Oh, sorry how uh, this turns out. You know, he's the patriarch here. He's the guy in charge. So if one of his most important senses is gone, he's going to have to start relying on some other people, I guess. So can't wait. You know, do you really need to have vision to have vision? Mm, What a great question. So deep. (laughs) All right. Now we're going to take a break, and then now we're going to talk about our lurk of the week. Okay? You got it. Well, Omar, you're the guest, so you Mm -hmm. tell me, what was your look of the week? This is a segment where we pick out the best ensemble. That's hair, clothes, just the whole lurk. I got to give it to Alexis in that all red with that belt Mm -hmm. that cinches her waist in a a way that it just looks great. I thought her hair, when she first entered the episode was a little too flat on top. It could have used a little more volume. Yeah, I agree. The hair threw it off for me. Yeah, it wasn't the best hairstyle, but there were moments where she had better hair moments with the whole ensemble, and it worked. Um, there was I, just something too helmety about it. Usually she's got a little more body, a little more wave. Yeah. But this just looked I like she know, had two big bowling balls stuck on the side of her head. Yeah, but it kind of... It also gave me, I guess, the only historical... Reference I have for that look was um, I think about Margot Channing. Is that her name from uh, All About Eve, which is mm. Betty Davis? Uh, 
where she yeah, throws that kind her, of like high waisted thing where she throws her birthday party. I think it's her birthday party, and um, her hair is very voluminous, kind of a la a la Joan Collins in this episode. Um, so I had that point of reference, which was nice, but I have to also honorable mention. Alexis was wearing this really tribal African outfit that I thought was compelling enough. It, it very it you kind mean of Crystal. Sorry, Crystal. Did, who did I say? You said Alexis. Sorry, Crystal. Crystal wore this. Uh, it was like this, a bolero jacket. It was like a short jacket was? with yeah some sort of print. It could have been Versace today. It, it could be Versace. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, oh, my God, this bitch is glam, you know, just because I had that Versace uh, connection. But yeah. um, but you're right. It was like a bolero. It was uh, it was interesting. I mean, and, you know, so many people went through so many outfit changes that whole episode. Nick alone. God, I mean, you think he had like three or four different outfits in that one episode. Oh, see, I don't think we Where? had enough outfit changes. Ooh. Alexis usually wears like three or four things. So for her to walk around in that. All day. Red look all day. Was, and Crystal. Yeah, Crystal too. And Fallon. Fallon at least woke up in a gown. Yeah. And she changed into that Austin Powers-esque. Uh, <laughs> do you see that? I think yeah. It's like the blue. Uh, I don't know. What do you call that? It's like a captain's uniform. Who knows? Yeah, it with, was. Yeah, it was a little too executive um, for me. It wasn't. Fallon, Fallon is best in the evening. I feel like in the day, she wasn't really able to pull it off. For me, my look of the week, and I don't think I've given her a look of the week since she's entered the scene, was Sammy Joe wearing that writing outfit. That was Walking into the kitchen with, yeah. uh, with the writing crop. Like Even Alexis was just like laughing at her because... I, so she said that she was wearing Crystal's outfit. So technically, maybe this is Crystal's look of the week because Sammy Joe didn't actually own mm. the clothes. But they were on her body, so I'll give it to her. But I thought it really sold this idea that she wants to be rich and she wants to be a Carrington. And she really, in that scene, was like coming for Alexis. And a lot of these characters, they like try to come for Alexis, like Crystal. It doesn't happen. Joseph the bitchy butler, laughable. So to see Sammy Joe give her a little bit of tude was nice, especially wearing the the traditional kind of like writing outfit and you know heather locklear's ass doesn't quit so it looked amazing in that outfit i mean when she came out in those daisy dukes that first scene it was like i i was in shock because i didn't know her body was so beautiful um yeah and i'm pretty sure that that has evolved and it probably still looks great well and the camera doesn't waste any time going straight to that ass when they're filming this episode so i think that has a big part to do with why she's part of the show. What about men's outfits? We don't really, I mean, unless they're good, but we don't normally ever talk about them. What did yeah, you think about the men's really, wear? I mean, I naturally thought that anything looked great on Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's got, we've talked about it a lot before. He's got a really great body because he's tall and slender. And then he always wears sort of like fitted suits. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of the times he'll wear things that I think you you could pull off today. Well, that's another episode of Dynasty as They Want to Be. Omar, thank you so much for joining me and filling in as my guest co-host this week. I know I had big shoes to fill, and I'm sure they're not even a quarter filled, but thank you for the opportunity. Well, uh, yeah, your feet are much smaller than Kyler's, so <laughs> that is a fact. Where can people um, find you if they want to follow you on social media? Uh, I always go to Omar 
A, my last name, Barragan, on Instagram, at Omar A. Barragan. All right. And if you want to follow Dynasty as they want to be on Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest or anywhere, we're at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y Podcast. We don't have Dynasty in the title because it's like some sports term now. Just a part of it. So we're just nasty because that's what we are. And that's what we love about the show is when people are nasty. So (laughs) at Nasty Podcast. Um, Also want to thank DJ Jugo for creating our theme song and the artist Lindsay Mound for designing our logo and you for listening to the podcast. If you like this, go ahead, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere you can rate podcasts, write something up, or just click five stars. And no, I guess if you didn't like it, then I should just throw a stick of dynamite at your car. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, this has been Dynasty As They Want to Be.